The following audio is from Restoration Southside Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where our mission is to restore people and places through outreach, authenticity, and sacrifice. For more information, visit restorationsouthside.org. By faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. If you are in kindergarten through fifth grade and you would like to go to Children's Church, please join our volunteers by the Kids Zone side. If it's your child's first time in Children's Church, please go with them so that we can get them checked in. morning. If this is your first time here, my name is Jared. I'm also on staff and uh, we love to know our people. I'll be just outside those doors after the uh, service. So please come by and introduce yourself. Say, hey, Um, I was actually gone doing a wedding in Mississippi uh, last week and I miss it when I'm with when I'm not with you. I hope you missed me at least a little bit. Um, We are continuing our study in the fruit of the Spirit. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of um, backdrop, and then we'll dive in together. So the fruit of the Spirit we find from Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and it's, these, it's this long and whole list of attributes that one will begin to develop as they have the Spirit of God inside of them. Meaning if you've put your trust in Christ You're given the Holy Spirit forever. And when you have the Holy Spirit, certain things about your life will change so that you look more like Christ. And the Holy Spirit's job is to make you like Christ. And so that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. Now, it it works in two ways. The first way that it works is it's you're supposed to aim for these fruits of the Spirit. So... In other words, you want to live a life of love, joy, peace, patience. It gives you a goal. But it also does this other thing that is very important. It's also evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. And here's why I mean that. Evidence that you're a Christian. There will be times in your life, there are times in my life, where I doubt my faith. I doubt, I'm like, I cannot imagine 
that I am still this messed up after this long. I don't even know if I'm a Christian. And in that sense, the fruit of the Spirit is for other people to say, no, you're being too hard on yourself or you're, you're being too somber. Jared, you see these fruit of the Spirit. There's evidence of a changed life even though you don't always feel it. And the reason I want you to really focus on that this morning is because we think that if we try a little longer and we work a little harder, we will begin to feel more Christian. If we try a little harder, work a little longer, we'll begin to feel more Christian. And that's not true. The longer you've walked with Jesus, the more your sin will bother you the more you will long for righteousness. So that dissonance that you experience of, I want to be better than this, that's not going to go away. And I tell you that not to wreck your day, but to tell you it doesn't, growing as a Christian doesn't make you feel better. It doesn't make you feel better in that sense. You might have a deeper trust in Christ, deeper peace in His grace, but it's not going to make you feel better because the closer you get to Christ, your medium habits, the things that aren't that bad, those are even going to bother you. Not just your bad stuff, but your good stuff not being good enough. That's going to bother you because of a growing hunger for Christ. So again, the fruit of the Spirit gives you something to aim at, but it also is evidence for you when you're discouraged that someone could look at your life and lovingly say, listen, you have fruits of the Spirit. And that's what we're talking through is the fruit of the Spirit, of the, something to aim at and also something to have um, evidence that God really is working on you slowly and over time and with many setbacks, God really is working on you. So with all that said, the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to talk about, we've done love, joy, and this morning we're going to do peace, peace with God, peace with self, peace with others, peace of God, peace with self, and peace with others. Erin and I were talking this week about which fruit of the Spirit, because she works on her children's church lesson alongside me as we talk through as I'm working on the sermon, and she said, which fruit of the Spirit are you the worst at? And I said, probably peace and patience. And she was like, good, because your last two sermons before you take a break are on peace and patience. That's just God loves to do that to me. <laughs> so this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to talk through peace and patience. Let me say one more thing, and then we'll dive in. You're like, dive in. Aren't you like halfway done at this point? No. This peace that I'm talking about is a spiritual peace some of you struggle with anxiety. I struggle with anxiety, and I take medicine for it every day, anxiety and depression. And I don't want those of you who struggle with anxiety and depression to think that I'm saying, stop being anxious, have peace. What's wrong with you? It's a different reality. Some from our DNA and some from our broken stories struggle with anxiety and depression. And I want you to experience emotional peace but I'm not going after you today. All of us need to experience spiritual peace, and that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. So let me pray. We'll ask God to bless our time this morning. Lord, would you have 
mercy on me, a sinner. All of us are looking for peace. Things are moving so fast with our phones and our calendars and our lives. Everything is moving so fast. There's no rest. We couldn't even imagine what peace would feel like. Would you, by your Holy Spirit, grant your people peace, work it into their lives, into their stories, into their Christian testimony? Would you teach us what it means to be a people of peace? But we need you to do it. So by the word, by your spirit, and by the sacrament, will you instill in our hearts peace? We're so desperate for it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. When I was in high school, my senior year, I broke up a physical fight in the halls of my high school. It was this, one of the kids was this punk kid who kind of got, and he was a punk. He kind of got his attention by being a punk, and then he enjoyed the attention for getting it. And he's kind of just bothered everybody, but one guy, and he's kind of, let's say, not strong. And there was this other guy, he was sort of like the strong, silent type, and he was massive and powerful and he wasn't exactly in the in crowd necessarily, but you, you knew to stay away from him and you knew to leave him alone. And so here we have this kind of punk kid who's not very strong and this strong silent type who's very strong. And they get into a physical fight in the hallways. Basically, this is what happened. So I, all of a sudden, as I'm walking down the hallway, I kind of feel my shoulder get brushed back and I turn to see these two flinging themselves at each other, throwing punches instinct or whatever it was, I grabbed the littler one and I pull him away and kind of put my body between him and the big guy. And I push him up against a locker and I'm sort of taking hits. And of course, I'm taking hits from this big guy over here. But then this guy who I'm protecting, who is a punk, by the way, he's still throwing punches and he hits me. And finally, somebody pulls the big guy off, and they walk their separate ways, and he's still talking trash. And I put my hand on his chest and push him into the locker, and I said, hey, man, I was taking hits for you, and you hit me. And the reason that I tell you that story is that I think most of us feel like that's Jesus' posture towards us. Yes, he will stand in between the Father and us. And yes, he will take the wounds that we deserve. He will take the hits for us. But that he's sort of standing there with his hand on his chest saying, Hey man, I took hits for you. And now you're still hitting me. It is so important that we remove that posture in our mind that we suppose Jesus has towards us, it's so important. Otherwise, you'll walk around saying, yes, I'm rescued, but I've got this guy who's looking at me like, hey man, get it together. That that's God's posture to you in Christ. And it's so important that we fix that. He 
He didn't do it begrudgingly. He did it for the joy set before him. So first, we have peace with God. This is from Romans 5, the first few verses we've had read. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. It's saying we have peace with God right now. Not someday. Not this day out there. Once we've finally polished up our lives and we're finally being the people that we should be, then finally we'll have peace with God. And Paul says, no, you have peace with God now. That's the startling and audacious nature of the gospel is that you have peace with God now, not someday. Otherwise, you have to walk around with the fear that if you haven't gotten to confess your last sins or if you haven't gotten to do a good deed before you get hit by a car, then you're in serious trouble because your peace with God is moment by moment. And he says, no, you have peace with God now. When I was 17, I went to, on a missions trip to Haiti, and it changed my life. But one of the people that were there was a man named Charles, and he was a missionary. And in Haiti, things were so corrupt, so broken, that there would be people who didn't want the church to succeed, who would come and steal the resources of the church, who wanted to wound the church. In fact, their very lives were in danger. And Charles told us this story. One night he was at home with his wife and his kids and he knocked on the door and, or someone knocked on the door and when he opened the door there was a gun in his face. This hitman who'd been charged with killing Charles so that the ministry would stop and the hitman smirks at him and says, make your peace with God. And he said, oh, I already have peace with God. Do you? The hitman started to tremble. And right then and there, on his doorstep, he led that man to Christ. Because the hitman was so startled that someone would be so audacious to say, oh yeah, I have peace with God. I have peace with God. Not someday, not some final moment. Right now, I have peace with God. And that's what he's saying to you. Therefore, since we have been justified... By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God now. And he uses this argument from the lesser to the greater. Did you hear it? He says this, For if we, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, how much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, if God loved you while you were yet his enemy, how much more does he love you now that you are his son or his daughter? How much more fondness there is for you? But Christian, that's not what we walk around like. We walk around that God loves us and now he's so disappointed with his investment in us that it's been not exactly what he thought he would get out of it. And we just keep sinning, and we keep messing up, and we keep making mistakes. And now I guess because he's faithful to his word, he will see it through, but he's annoyed by us. As if Jesus is saying, hey, I took hints for you to not be like this. 
I took hits for you to not be like this. But that's not what he says. He did it for the joy set before him. He delights in you. And Christianity will will never change your life if you think the goal is for you to do enough right and enough not so much wrong so that you can feel a little bit of peace. What he's saying is he wants you to operate out of the fact that you have peace with God in Christ. That you have this bold, audacious peace with God that you think God cares about you, that you think God listens to you, that you think God delights in you. My four-year-old sons, Connor and Cohen, are a total mess, and they're hilarious, and they will run up to me and say, hey, daddy, ha, 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 and kick me in the shins, and they know that I will laugh at them, and that I will tickle them. They are not afraid that kicking me in the shins is going to change my posture towards them. I wish they'd stop kicking me in the shins. But you see, they are confident that no matter what we do to this man, and oh, we're going to do it, he will not stop loving us. It's, it's impossible. He's, he's for us. He delights in us. We're his children. And that's what God wants you to feel like. He wants you to walk around with the sense that God is for me. I'm one of God's. He delights in me. He didn't just save me. I'm one of his own. If if he saved you while you were yet his enemies, how much more is his fondness for you now that you're his son and his daughter? He wants you to experience that, that peace. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Listen to this. This is from Colossians 1, 18 through 20. For God himself, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blame and free from accusation. Do you hear it? But now, not but someday, but now. He wants you to walk around with it reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Because of Christ's work, we're allowed to operate out of the notion that we have peace with God. He wants you to operate out of the notion that he has peace with God, that you have peace with God. I know it's startling. I know it's audacious, but that's what he wants from you. It's actually an insult to the cross to say, God loved me in Christ enough to die for my sins. He just doesn't like me very much. And it says, no, he he has come through the heavens. He has lived a life on earth. He has died a gruesome death, and he burst the grave 
for you because of his love for you, because his delight in you. To walk around feeling shamed all the time is an insult to all that's been done to make you his own. It says it this way, just so that you know I'm telling you what is true out of the Bible, Ephesians 2, 15 through 16. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. But now, far away, brought near. For he himself, listen to this, for he himself is our peace. He has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the laws with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body, reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were new, near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Friends, do you feel at peace with God? Do you feel at peace with God. For those of you who are not believers, I urge you to consider this peace. That itch inside of you that you can never seem to scratch. The sense that something is broken with you and something is broken with this world. God offers to you in Christ by the shed blood of Jesus to draw near and experience the peace of God. That means Jesus says God was on one side and his enemies were on the other side and God sent Jesus down to die for our sins and to bring his enemies back to his side and now there is now no more distance between you and Jesus. No more distance between you and the Father. Not someday. Now. It's audacious, I know, but that's, what's it, that's what it says here over and over again. Listen to this. It says, day after day, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. He's talking about the priests in the Old Testament who would offer sacrifices of bulls and goats. And he says, the priest gets up there and has to do it again and do it again. Offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. footstool. Third time, footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. I want you to listen to that. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So yes, you're still going to mess up. Yes, you're still going to sin. Yes, you're still going to make mistakes. But your record with him is he's made you perfect forever as he's still making you holy. He is making you in behavior what is true already of your record. And both things are true. One sacrifice he's made perfect forever. Those who are being made holy. 
That means this interim state where you're still a mess, but trusting in Christ, he sees you with fondness, even when you kick him in the shins. It can't be taken from you. You have peace with God in Christ. That's what it's saying. You have peace with God right now. And once you have this peace with God, this sense that no matter what happens in my life, I have peace with God forever. No matter what happens in these 80 or 90 years, the rest of eternity, I have peace with God. I'll be delighted and I'll... It'll carry you through the next 80 or 90 years. And when you have that kind of peace with God, you can begin to have peace in your heart and yourself. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Did you hear it? In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why does that work? Why would you have peace with God because you presented your request to Him? Because you know that the person that you're calling in heaven, the person that you're drawing near to in the throne room, loved you so much that He came after you through history and that he made you his own, that he laid down his life for you, that he gave you his blood, gave you his record, and then vanquished death, and then he gave you his Holy Spirit, and then he regenerated you, he made you his own, and he did all of that, and that's the guy taking your calls in heaven. That's why you can be peace of God, you can have the peace of God that transcends all understanding. It's not because you're always going to get what's going on or why you're struggling with what you're struggling with. It's because you know the guy who came for you is the same one who's listening to you. You see it? That's why you can have peace in your heart. It's because you know I've been loved and bought at a price and no one will ever take that from me. And the same person who laid down his life for me is the same one who's writing my story. And so I can ask him even when I don't understand. And I can have peace even when I don't understand. I love action movies, even old bad ones. There was one called Face Off with Nick Cage. Did you ever see that masterpiece? Nick Cage and John Travolta. There's this powerful scene where the FBI has come to take out this drug lord. And so they're shooting down on a rooftop and into the roof apartment. And the drug dealers, they're trying to get all their guns and they're trying to fight back against the FBI. And in the middle of all of these bullets whizzing around the room, there's a little kid. The mom, out of obvious concern for her kid, takes him aside, trying to hide him from the bullets, the FBI and the drug dealer's bullets, and tries to hide him. And he takes, she takes these big headphones that she has, and she puts them over his head because she doesn't want him to see. She doesn't, excuse me, she doesn't want him to hear all of the chaos. And she cranks up the music. She's playing What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. So you see as you're watching, 
all this chaos. And yet what the kid is hearing is, Hashmi skies are blue. That was pretty good, actually. I'm impressed with myself. And despite all the chaos around, the kid has the peaceful song playing in his ears. Despite the trouble in his eyes, he has peace in his ears. And that's what the gospel is for you, despite the trouble that you will see with your eyes. You have peace resonating in your ears because you know that you have peace with God, that he's come for you. He's made you his own. And not only that, he's the one taking your calls in heaven. He's the one listening to your prayers. So despite the chaos in your eyes, you've got his peace ringing in your ears. And you have to remember that the way to keep yourself in a, in a place of bold adoption as one of God's sons or daughters, the way to feel like Connor and Cohen do with me is to remind you that Jesus endured the cross for you out of love. Listen to this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. How? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. He saved you because he wanted to. He saved you because it brought him joy to do so. Please don't assign him this resentment that yes, he's saved you, but he's sure not happy about it. It was for the joy set before him that he saved you. So we experience peace with God and begin to experience peace in ourselves because of what he has offered to us. And then finally, he says, and of course you'll have peace with others. This is from Ephesians, excuse me. This is from Philippians 4. He says, I plead with Yodia and Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women to be of the same mind. They've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. It's this moment where the Philippian church is a relatively healthy church. But there's arguing between these two women. We don't know exactly what it was about, but it's begun to divide people up and it's begun to pull people apart. And what Paul is essentially looking at them and saying is what we're doing as a church is more important, more important than your individual problems with one another. And that's the point for us is what we're doing as a church, what we're doing for Christ's sake is more important than anybody's individual problem. He's saying essentially, how can you experience peace with God where God says, I'm not counting your sin against you, but you keep counting your sins against one another. Listen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled, past tense, reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Listen, I know it's hard to be read to. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He's saying, I have forgiven you. I don't count your sins against you. Stop counting other people's sins. Who do you need to forgive because you have been forgiven? Who do you need to stop dutifully, resentfully taking note of their sin over and over again? Who do you need to reconcile with? He says, I have forgiven you, now you go forgive one another. It's a non sequitur to be forgiven to the degree that we've been forgiven and then to hold resentment and bitterness against each other. He says, we're in the family of forgiveness and reconciliation. Friends, who do you need to forgive? We're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And we're going to experience it forever. On that great day, Revelation. Listen, it says this. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat and calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear and their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox and the infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest and they will neither harm nor destroy on my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. He's saying, you have peace now and you just can't imagine how good it's going to be that peace then. Can you imagine only looking at people with pure eyes only eating and drinking to the glory of God, never having to numb out. Imagine with me never wanting anything or anyone that does not belong to you. Imagine never feeling like you have to be in control again. Imagine never worrying about your body again. Imagine never worrying again. Imagine with me for one second, never feeling shame again. Can you imagine with me? No more family dynamics of hurt, no more distance and resentment, no more cut-off relationships, no more sexual abuse, no more domestic violence, no more injustice, no more poor, no more abortion, no more shame about abortion, no more racism, no more war. Peace. That day is coming. And you can get genuine bits of it now. That's what he's saying, is that we have peace with God, peace in our own hearts, and peace with one another. One last set of verses. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, and leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, and there were other boats with him. And a furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. The wind died down and it was completely calm. 
And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Friends, are you in the midst of a furious squall? Terrified that no one cares for you? Jesus is in control of the storm of your life. And he loves you. Rest in his peace and share that peace with others. Let's pray. Lord, help us to experience peace with you. If there are those here who don't know that peace, would you, by your Holy Spirit, move in their heart right now? And for those of us who just needed to be reminded, we thank you that we have peace. Would you help us to act like we have peace? Would you minister to us at this table? We need your help. Otherwise, we'll go back to thinking that you're resentful of us or we'll go back to thinking that you're angry with us we'll go back to thinking that there's distance between us jesus teach us that there is no more distance ever again between us and you it's in the matchless name of jesus that we pray of us or we'll go back to thinking that you're angry with us we'll go back to thinking that there's distance between us jesus teach us that there is no more distance ever again between us and you it's in the matchless name of Jesus that we pray.